Open your heart today. You know, one thing that we realize in life is people are going through difficult things. How many know that people are going through things? Who right now is going through things? And so that's just the way life is. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3 that uh, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now, we know there's always been struggle. There's always been heartache and pain. But in the last days, one of the things it says is hard times shall come. People shall be lovers of themselves, disobedient parents. You You read this whole list. But see, God, one thing about God is he specializes in making a way where there is no way. If we put our eyes on him, if we put our trust in him, you know, you put your eyes on on people, you'll always be discouraged. You look to yourself, you'll be disgusted. But if you look to God and his word, you'll be encouraged. Amen. And so there, no matter what you're facing today, there's a way out. Say that. There is a way out. And one thing that we always have to remember and remind ourselves, it's not always up to God. Something we alluded to earlier. Well, Lord, you just do it for me. Lord, you do it for me. Well, he's looking. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Notice he's not the do it for you. He's the helper, not the one who does it all for us. Amen. Wouldn't that be nice? A lot of times when people use that terminology about helper, what they really are saying is, I want the Lord to do it for me. But what he's going to do is he's going to help us do what we um, are destined to do. And he's going to help us and supercharge uh, our faith or whatever it is. Won't you look over at John chapter 2? There's always a Godward side and a manward side to every miracle. John chapter 2, and the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. Let me know that Jesus approved of marriage. Thank you for that enthusiasm. (laughs) Amen. Marriage is good. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. He's like, What's the, why are you ask, telling me that? You know, you're asking me. Her mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. And he, Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. Now you can imagine them saying, Jesus, we don't need water. We need wine. That doesn't make sense. And so can you imagine though, here's this governor. Can you imagine? I mean, these people were, were ruthless. You know, it wasn't just like they, you know, they weren't like Pee Wee Herman sitting up there, you know. You know, these people were like, they were ruthless. And, and you know, if you showed up, and you had this, he'd taste it. What is this garbage, you know? Get this out of here. And so you can imagine they were afraid too. And they're thinking, well, you know, we need wine here. But what, Jesus, what does Jesus do? He says, go do this. Go bear the water unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. 
And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water, they knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then they w- that which is worse. So what does that mean? They just bring up the cheap stuff then, right? But thou hast kept the good wine until now. I believe that's going to happen for us. God is saving the best for last. He saves the best for last. And you and I are in this generation. The beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana Galilee and manifested forth his glory. And his disciples believed on him. So this was Jesus' first miracle. It wasn't some, it was a, it was the turning of water into wine. It was one of provision. Now we know that people weren't born again at this time, but but people did not come to the Lord because of it. People were not saved, healed, and delivered. It was provision. But it said that in this, he showed forth his glory or his goodness. The goodness of God. The glory of God is the goodness of God. And so how did this start out? It, notice right here it says, Woman, what, what do I have to do with you? My hour is not yet come. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And so the title of my message real briefly today, Whatsoever he says to you, do it. Whatsoever he says to you, do it. The key to miracles is to do what he says. Do you need a miracle? Then, then what is he saying to you today? What is he saying to you specifically? And then will you do that? They needed wine. They didn't need water. But it took their cooperation. Jesus didn't say, okay. And he didn't just like wave a wand. You know, people have goofy ideas. You know, it's like. Well, you know, he just waved a wand and, and just the water just like bubbled in the container and it just, it turned into, but no, it took an action. It took an action where they went and did something. They went and, and, and brought the water. And like I said, that could have been at their own peril. That could have been at their own expense. You know, take them out and beat them. You know, you never know what they, especially, you know, you think about the Romans and, and how they, and so... It took their cooperation. Fill the water pots with water, and the water turned into wine. So the key to getting out of a bad situation is what? Number one, hear from God. Hear from God. Say, hear from God. And then do what he says to do. And so I want to hit a couple of examples what the Bible says about this. One of the best ones I can th- that, that came to me was, over in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. And if I only spend time on one, then that's fine. We'll take part two later. Amen. Amen. It's important that you get what you get and not just throw a lot of information at you and you're not, oh, that was nice, but I didn't get anything. 2 Kings chapter 5. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master. And honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now, that's bad when you're, you're a, a, a great man, a strong man, but you're a leper. There's a, you know, there's, that's not a good thing. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought 
away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Because why? We know that, that Elisha was known for his healing ministry. And so she's saying, if Naaman could just be down there, then he would be okay. And the king of Syria said, go, go to, go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 changes of raiment. Guess he's going to be there for a little while. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, now when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that you may recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? So they were looking to a man. And so the man of God knew that, hey, without the Lord, without the anointing, I'm nothing. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes that he sent to the king saying, Wherefore have you rent your clothes? Let him come now to me. See, Elisha had the anointing. And he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Now I want you to, I want you to listen carefully to this. Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall come again to you, and you shall be clean. Notice he didn't just say, okay, you're healed. He had to go do something. Right. Yes. Now, once you look at verse 11, but Naaman was happy when he heard that. <laughs> and said, praise the Lord. No, it says, Naaman was wroth. I mean, wrath is like when the blood boils and you're just, he went away and said, behold, now look at these next two words. This is what gets people in trouble. I thought, well, I sure thought that the Lord was going to use that person. I sure thought the Lord was going to bless me this way. I sure thought that, that, that when I prayed this certain thing, that God was going to do it. I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord as God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. He talks about these other, are not these, these waters and rivers better than all the waters of Israel? He's like, why did I have to come down to this muddy water? May I not wash them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. That's a good way not to get your healing. And his servant came near and spake to him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid you do some great thing, would you have not done it? Why? Because they were prepared. They brought horses, chariots, they brought all this, the changes of clothes. They were ready to do something spectacular. If they would have said, go out and kill this group of people, boy, they would have been ready. But then he tells him, go wash in the pool. Go wash down the river. He, he choked over that. And so he said, um, so he said, he said, Master, you know, you were prepared to do some great thing, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Well, you know, he just asked you to do this, and why not go do that? And then, you know, he probably said, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go down to that water. You know, like it was his idea or something. 
Yeah, okay, well, let's just go down there and, and dip in the water. And he, start, he gets in the water, and he dips, and maybe he starts to see a change. And he's just, oh, 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 my goodness, oh, my goodness. And he's up, and then, you know, he's shouting and praising the Lord. And so the Bible says he's healed. Now, you know, of course, it doesn't end there. He gets healed, and then, you know, he tries to offer gifts to Elisha. And, and just like any man of God should do, he, he, he said no. One of the things the Lord that to- told Brother Kenneth Hagin was, no, make no charge for your ministry. One of the visions he appeared to him, he said, make no charge for your ministry. He said, take offerings and do like you normally do for the operation of the ministry. He said, but make no charge. He said, there's many people that will come with children that are deformed and have problems that would give large sums of money right. to be healed. But he said, you make no charge for your ministry. Yeah. And so Elisha said, it's not a time for this. But he had a, how I many know he had a, a Gehazi. His servant, he, he said, you know, he said, I'm going to go chase him down. He said, um, you know what? Uh, there was just two sons of the prophets that came down after you left. And he said, you know, we can take this. Well, he was glad, you know, to, hey, yeah, I was healed. I'm going to give you this. Then he comes back and he says, um, Elisha says, uh, where were you, Gehazi? He said, I went not whither or, you know, the King James. He, he said, went not my heart with you when you stood before the chariot? What was that? That was a word of knowledge and maybe even, even you know, like in a vision form, he saw it. He said, went not my heart with you when you stood before the chariot? He said, now that the leprosy of Naaman is going to cleave unto you. And so he said he went out uh, as white as snow. So, you know, a prophet doesn't know everything, but but don't think that God can't show somebody. So what does that mean? He told him to go dip. He had to go dip in the Jordan seven times. There's a manward side and a Godward side to every miracle. Think about Moses. What did God tell him? He said, strike the rock. The first time he, he, he did what God said. Then remember, what, what did God tell him the next time? Speak to the rock. Well, what, what did Moses do? He said, you bunch of rebels. He said, you know, he, 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 he come to the end of it. You know, there's a lesson there. Don't let someone else's carnality and their anger and everything bring out carnality in you. He said, you bunch of rebels. And he, he got that and he struck the rock. And God, from that, on, from that on, point on, he was done. Because he wasn't magnifying God in front of the people. It's like he did it. Instead of speaking to the rock and the water gushing out. So the first time he did good, but the second time he, he, he destroyed what God wanted to do in his life. And so he got to see the promised land, but not go into it. But still, I mean, at 120 years, he climbed a, mount, he climbed a mountain at 120 and, and surveyed it without glasses or binoculars. And um, the Bible says that, that his natural face did not abate, that... that you can see different things. We're talk- Some translations said his teeth stood firm. I mean, you can believe God for keep your teeth. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Keep your hair. Yeah. Amen. Okay, Moving right along. <laughs> so what did Moses do, though? We, we see that, you know, just like any situation, you can obey or you can disobey, and, and the results are going to be whichever one you decide to do. Think about Moses with the, um, 
the rod. Remember what, what God told him. He said, stretch forth thy rod. Remember the one time it turned into a serpent. The magicians did the same thing. But he had swallowed them up. I mean, I would think I'd take off running then or something. You know, you just see something like that. And so he, um, but, you know, God also says, you know, split the Red Sea. Lord, how am I going to do that? He split the Red Sea. Stretch forth our rod. You know, he had that staff. And so it wasn't just, you know, the Lord. Sometimes, see, here's what happened. You pray and you say, God, I need this, this, and then God will say, okay, you do this and this. Lord, I just want it to be all you. <laughs> Who's ever said that? I don't want it to be me. Well, who else is it going to be? Well, I, I just don't want it to be me. Well, it's not going to be your brother. It's going to be you. <laughs> Think about over in the book of 1 Kings 17, if we had time to go into this. The Bible says, 1 Kings 17 the prophet says to a widow woman, bake me a cake first. Now, you think about this. This lady, she cries out to Elijah. Verse 12, as the Lord God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. Behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. I mean, you don't, usually you don't just eat a meal and then you die. I mean, there's a period of time, but, you know, when you're in, in a bad way. Elijah said, fear not. Go and do as you've said. Go ahead and do that, but make me, therefore, a little cake first and bring it unto me, and after that for you and for your son. Now, if CNN would have got a hold of this, they would have said, Prophet takes last meal from widow. Prophet takes widow's social security check. Prophet takes the last crumb. But what did she need? She needed a miracle. What did the Lord say? Through this, this prophet, go and bake me one first. The Bible talks about first fruits. <laughs> you know, the Bible talks about Jesus in the healing ministry over in Matthew 12. You can just write this down, Matthew 12, 10 through 13. He's talking to this one man. He says, stretch forth your hand. And I think it's interesting because religion is such a bad thing. You know, it's, it's like my pastor says, religion's like bad breath. Everyone else knows you have it except you. How many know what I'm talking about? Just, just ask your kids, they'll tell you. <laughs> you know, kids, they'll tell you, hey, you know, your breath is bad. Kids, they have no, um, no, yeah, no filter where that's concerned. There's just... And they look at, look at your face and say, what is that? <laughs> Matthew 12, I'm going to read this in, in verse 10. 
Behold, there was a man which had his hand withered, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days? Why? Because they wanted to accuse him. He said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? So what, what happens here? If somebody loses an animal and it got down in a pit, they wouldn't just stop and say, you know what? Poor sheep. It's the Sabbath day. Can't help you. We'll be back tomorrow. He says, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? You know, the Bible talks about it over in Luke, talking about somewhere around Luke 13, the woman with the spirit of infirmity that says, called her a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound. Should she not be loosed this day? The same thing. They are all called up about the Sabbath. And so, notice he says, wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, stretch forth thine hand. And you know, if you read other um, gospel accounts of talking about this, it says he looked on them with indignation. Why? Because of the hardness of their heart. The hardness of their heart. See, Jesus was compassionate towards people that were lost, but he was indignant against religion. Why? Because religion stands in the way. Religion, just like in that dream, stands there and to try to hinder other people from being saved. Why? Because you know what? It's not according to our formula. It said, he stretched it forth and is restored whole like is the other. I mean, just think his hand. It's kind of interesting. His hand is withered. Maybe some kind of um, arthritis. You know, you, different things it could be. But he didn't just say, stretch forth your arm. You know, you can move that, but it's like your hand. That's like, maybe it's um, frozen. Maybe it's frozen shut, you know, and you can't. How is he going to do that? But as he began to do it, stretch forth your hand. And it says it was restored whole, just like the other. So there's a, there's a part to play. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says unto you, do it. Um, the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, what does he tell him? He says, go and sell whatever you have. He said, Lord, I've done all these things. Master, I've done all these things. He said, you know the commandments? And he said, yeah, I've done all these. He said, one thing you lack. You know, and it, it says in the Bible, Jesus loved him. So it wasn't Jesus making fun of him. It wasn't Je Jesus loved him. And because of that love, he said, there's one thing you lack. Go sell whatever you have. Give it to the poor and, and come and follow me. You know what it said? It said he went away sad. At those words. Why? Because, and so much so that the disciples, Jesus says, how hard is it for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven? And they're like, the reason they were blown away is because they had money. It wasn't because they had, didn't he have two pennies to rub together. They said, they were astounded. The Bible says they were astounded and said, who then can be saved? He said, with God, all things are possible. How hardly are they that trust in riches. See, that's the problem, trusting in riches. 
We can have lots of riches for the purpose of the kingdom, but not trust in it. Just like the man that, 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 that burned $4 billion in the streets of India. He didn't trust in that. If he's burning it, it wouldn't have done him any good anyway. It was no longer a um, negotiable uh, denomination for them. And so, if you know the Lord, though, he would have never done without that rich young ruler. Uh, some people even believe that he was Barnabas that, that we see in the book of Acts. But, um, you know, it's um, just obeying what God tells you to do. And then I was thinking about the man that was born by four. How many remember when, if you look in um, Mark chapter 2, talks about in other accounts, the, the man that was carrying on the couch by four friends. And so you, you need at least four crazy friends that will believe God with you. Amen. Amen. Yep. And so they took him in, took him on the house because it was full. The room was filled with people in this meeting. And uh, it wasn't an open air meeting, but it was packed in there. And so they said, well, you know what? We can get up there on the roof. So they let him in. Can you imagine if you're in there and all of a sudden you just, you hear the thatch and you just. But you know, it took faith. Yeah. It took faith on that man's part. It took faith on the friend's part. Yeah. That we're going to drop this guy, let him in and not drop him on his head, you know. And also the guy, I mean, what if you can't move and you, you have to have faith that they're going to take care of me and they're not going to, I'm going to fall on my noggin and die, you know. <laughs> you know, and so it, the Bible says that Jesus turned, he saw their faith. Yeah. And he said, man, arise. Or he said, man, thy sins be forgiven thee. And of course, the, right in the midst on the front row in the reserve section probably is the Pharisees. Brother Pharisee, Sister Pharisee, and, you know, all the Pharisees are sitting there. And what are they there to do? You know, it's just like any meeting. You always got people there to critique the meeting. You got the people saying, you know, I don't think it should be like that. And, you know, it's not the way we do it in our church. Well, we're not in your church. Amen. And so, but what does he tell them? He said, man, your sins be forgiven you. Take up your bed and walk. And, and, of course, they had this whole discussion. He said, what's easier to say? Take up your sins and, I mean, <laughs> take up your sins. Don't take up your sins. Leave them at the cross. <laughs> easier to say, take up your bed and walk, or your sins be forgiven. Right. He said, so that you know that the Son of Man hath power to, for, to forgive sins, I say unto you, arise. Why? Because he dealt with the condemnation and the guilt first. He said, because he knew if he could get rid of that guilt and shame, he could be healed. So he said, your sins are forgiven you. So, oh man, my sins are forgiven you. So then what does he say? Get up and walk. So the same time you get forgiven is the time you can be healed. Amen. You know, if you ever need um, provision, what does the Lord tell you to do? What does he tell Peter? Okay, we need tax money, master. He said, go down. You know, he didn't say, okay, just wait right here. And um, some money's going to fall out of the sky and get an extra big net. What does he say? Jesus didn't say, oh, oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? He says, master, you know, we need this. 
do, you, do, do your disciples pay tribute? And he said, yeah. And so he knew that, hey, we need to pay some taxes. He said, Peter, go down. You know, Peter was a fisherman, so he was pretty good at it. Go down and the first coin, you know, the, the coin that you get in the first fish's mouth. You know, that tells me that there's more than one fish. So I'm sure that, that he kept fishing for a while. He, he, he kept the coin and then just kept fishing for a while. More than, we're on a good roll right now. You know, let's just keep going. And um, because of that, every need was met. But he did exactly what Jesus told him to do. So whatever he tells you to do, do it. What are you facing today? The first thing you're going to have to do is pray. Pray. Find out the will of God. Well, I don't know the will of God. I, he hasn't shown me. Then you keep praying. You, you lay on your face. You, you cry out to God. You say, Lord, you know, not just one of these little, you know, not just one of these little, shaba, 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 shaba. Not, not just a little, a little shaba prayer. But, I mean, you cry out. And you just, you know, I was just hearing the story about somebody, and and um, in their vehicle it was it wasn't working, and um, it's like a Land Rover, and um, they said, "Well, I can't I can't turn back home, and I can't go back." And he's like, so he just cried out and, and just praying, and, and the guy driving, he's like, uh, he said he said pray, he's like, somebody can I? He said no, he said pray, <laughs> he said you're about to be walking on the side of the road, you know, and so pray, and so. Cry out to God and pray until you know the answer. Pray until you know exactly what God's saying and seek him. That might mean you missed some meals. And, and, and seek him until you know. Then whatever he tells you to do, do it. And see, some things, though, may not be instant. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're going a certain direction for a long time, for 30 years in your life, you're not going to turn that ship around immediately. If you've got a big ship going, you can turn it, but it takes, I mean, no, sometimes it takes a couple miles. I mean, it, that thing's moving. It takes a long time to turn that thing around. You can watch it on TV, but it's showing it in real fast motion. It's like, you know, turning it around. But in real time, that takes a while. And so it may not be something that happens instantly, but, but begin... Walking in that direction, begin to, to go exactly the direction that the Lord's leading you to go. Why? Because I believe that, that this year is going to be a year of the supernatural, and it's going to be a year of the book of Acts. You know, the book of Acts is the way the church should look. People say, you know, what, what's a, you know, people think, it's, it's funny how the devil warps things, but signs, miracles, um, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, uh, all these things we see, the blind being healed, all these different miracles is normal Christianity. Yeah. But the devil's painted to where, man, that's weird stuff. Right. You know, it, 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 people that, that don't walk in that, it's, it's just weird. It's just, but no, that's, that's called abnormal Christianity. This right here is normal. What's normal? Take up your bed and walk. What's normal? Rise and be healed. 
get up, run. Amen. I remember hearing a, a minister, he said in one of his meetings, he had a word of knowledge about it, um, somebody needing healing. And this guy had been, I think he had been burned. And he was just, he came up and he could only like scoot up there. And he just, he scooted up there. He said, the Lord tells me to tell you to run. And he said that he took, and he couldn't run. He could, he could barely walk. But he said, boy, I've never even hardly walked, much less run. And so he just takes off. And, you know, he could have just stopped right there and said, you know what? I can't do it. Can't do it. And cried and said, Lord, you know I can't do it. Lord, you know I can't do it. Now you're asking me to do that and run. But, and he would have been st staying in the same place. But this guy, he just scooted along. He just scooted along like this, you know, and, and just kept going. Went around one time, then the power of God hit him. He'd run normally. Hallelujah. So whatever the Holy Ghost tells you to do. Amen. Whatever he tells you to do, do. So how does that apply to me? In an impossible situation, you, you cry out to God. Say, God, I don't even know. Just like we see in the book of Second Chronicles, they turned to God and said, Lord, we don't know what to do against this great army, but our eyes are upon you. And so you had to put your eyes on him and just cry out and say, God, show me, show me the way. There's a way out of this. You're a way maker, and I need the way out of this. You show me what to do with this. Show me what I have to do. Show me what I have to do. If I have to, and Lord, you know, nothing is sacred in my life as far as, you know, nothing is, if it's got to go, it's got to go. If I have to cut this off, I have to, you know, do whatever you want to do in my life. Change me. Lord, if, if no, no one even recognizes me six months from now, do whatever you want to do. And then when you hear from God, then you just do it. That's what the woman with the issue of blood, she said it. And then she did it. Then she, re she received it. And then she went and told it. Same thing in our life. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So who, who believed that God has some big plans for you this year? Who believes that, that, that the Lord has some, some great things for you? But how many know that those things are not just going to fall on you? How many know that it's not just going to happen and just because God wills it? You know, God wills that every person be saved. Amen. But is every person saved? Not unless they hear the preaching of the word.